It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, a guy who once ate Fruit Loops for 24 consecutive meals in college, and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey, Coach, it's Dan. How are you doing? I am talking to you from an airport. Surprise, surprise. Dan's at an airport. Yeah. Uh, Another travel day, but I wanted to jump in and introduce the next podcast episode because I think it's going to be a good one. You know, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about strategies for initially contacting an athlete and how to convert that interest on your part to interest on their part. And we're going to kind of close out that series today with a conversation with a coach who actually emailed me after listening to some of the initial uh, podcast episodes that we did. And you can re-listen to those if you are just now catching up by just going back into the the library. Uh, You can go on Stitcher uh, through that app and that website, stitcher.com, or through iTunes and Google, and you can look back at past episodes. But after listening to some of those, he was curious about some follow-up questions, and he sent me a rather lengthy email, which I love, and we're here to answer questions, so you can email me, dan at dantutor.com, and I'd be happy to talk to you and, and answer questions. But his questions were so good that I asked if he'd be willing to have a conversation about them via uh a phone call, which we then recorded and made into a podcast. And so I think you're going to find his questions probably aligning with some of the questions you might have as you've been thinking about how to initially uh, contact your prospects. And so we're not going to mention what school he coaches at. We're not going to mention the division level or sport or anything like that, um, just to protect his anonymity because he's using these as a part of now his strategy following up. And so we always respect coaches and their, their strategies and making sure we, we keep that confidentiality. But as you listen to his questions and then go through and, and hear the way that uh, I answer them, see if they might align with the way that you want to approach recruiting uh, new prospects and making those initial contacts. And if, if it does line up, I would suggest you start using some of those strategies. So we're going to jump right into this conversation. It's not a short one. It goes about 45 minutes or so. And I want to get right to it so that it makes the most of your time. So here's our conversation. And uh, we started it off pretty simply with a question from the coach about contacting new prospects initially. Hey, Dan. uh, I emailed you about a week ago talking about how to improve our initial contacts um, and um, expanded that a little bit about how to tell our story Um, and uh, most recently on your on your Tuesday uh, email blast in the last podcast you talked about structuring your initial contact to improve your response rate Um, and the things that you talked about were very helpful to me Um, you know the the um, not sending all the information at once asking a question stating because asking for a call to action, um, all really good things. Um, my question, I guess the big one was what information is important to include and, and how, how much do you cut out? What, what part of your story do you tell when you're connecting with that, that student athlete for the first time? Yeah. And you know, the, the thing that a lot of coaches I think struggle with is the, the idea that I've got this I finally have the the athlete's attention, 
and um, I have to get them all the information right away so that they're interested in us. And and I, I get that line of thinking because you know sometimes you know as uh, you know if if you were in you know marketing or sales that the, you know the idea that you want to get them interested and hooked right away um, is really kind of alluring. <laughs> um, and yet what we find is that when you do that with a teenage prospect or their parents, but especially the prospect, what happens is that they they feel like after a very you know, short amount of time that they're being sold. That it's, it's, you're almost, it, it's almost like they're trying too hard to, um, to, to you know, get me interested in your university coach. And so then I start getting skeptical and then skepticism sort of moves to boredom because now it's been 20, 25, 40 minutes with a coach uh, on the phone telling them you know, why their school's great. Um, or you know, the equivalent is the big, long, gigantic email or the big, long letter. And it kind of paralyzes them because, you know what, coach, I don't even know if that's uh, a school that I'm interested in or I'm not even sure I, that part of the country I'm interested in. And so they start... Uh, giving themselves questions as to about why do I need to hear all this information and when it's shorter at the front it tends to be uh, it tends to be then focused on uh, on creating curiosity like we went over in that in that previous podcast Mm -hmm. and we want curiosity curiosity drives everything if if a teenager is curious about something or doesn't have all the answers or is intrigued that almost entices them and gives them permission to ask the question and and kind of dig deeper if we dig the hole for them then it's you know it, it tends to, to turn them off so so here's how i'd answer that question is when you know because your question was what should what information should you give them i think everything about the athlete that you liked or that attracted you to wanting to call them in the first place is a great first place to start so whether that is you know some skills that you saw you know on the field on the court or a a mark if you're in a timed sport that that really you know sort of surprised you and and got you excited because that would be a great you know you know uh, way to enter in in our conference um, with that particular time anything that you can tell them that is a um, that is a a a plus to them and an attraction to them that's that's what i would get that's the information that i would give first i think what once you kind of go out and say here's here's why we like you here's what we saw about you and this is why um we you know we're talking um on that first phone call coach they may not have a question they may not want any more information um, they may not, they're still trying to figure out if that's a school or a program that they would want to be a part of or a part of the region of the country that they would be open to going to, to school in. And so what, what, um, what I would suggest is waiting for them to ask a question. And at the point they ask a question, Coach, that's the part, that, that's the point where I think it's okay now to start selling your school. So if they get to the point, and this might not be on the first phone call, this could be the second phone call or three weeks or a month and a half later, they finally ask you a question of, hey, coach, you're telling me all this. It's starting to sound good. I'm a business major. Um, how's your business program? Or they might 
you know, coming back to something athletically, like, hey, I noticed your freshman roster is pretty full with my position or in my event. Um, so how would I, you know, would I have to, you know, you know, how would I, how would I earn playing time, or how would I earn a spot in an event, um, given that you have so many freshmen? That then gives you the permission to an, uh, to um, to answer a question in in kind of by selling the school or selling the way that you do things as a coach or selling the academic side of a particular question. Because the other thing that goes that goes along with this, and in past episodes of the podcast, and in pa- and certainly on the website uh, in our blog section, we've gone over the idea of consistency, that um, you, know, the, you as a coach should be looking for ways to be consistent with your prospects over a long period of time. And that's where the sales take place. We, we like to take in information as a society a little bit at a time. Very rarely do we just sit down and find out everything we need to know about something in a half an hour. So we take little bits and examples and piece them together, and then that becomes our opinion of a product, a service, a political candidate, a college, whatever it is. We do it a little bit at a time, and that's sort of the philosophy that we'd want you to use, um, or any coach to use, when they're when they're trying to tell their story. So being consistent, um, continually to continuing to contact them throughout the process. Um, I know for me, particularly, when I contact recruits, once I have them in the process, um, I I try to tell, I guess this is all from you, basically different stories um, that add up to our our singular whole um, to, you know, sell the academic story, tell the the values, the coaching philosophy, all those different things. Um, so it's okay to consistently hit them with those things yeah. um, before they start asking. Uh, I think so. And, and <clears throat> I think if it's done a little bit at a time, and what I mean by that is a short email, a short mm-hmm. letter, um, a short text message, short phone conversations, and let them build into... Let them build into the. Let, let them drive the conversation. So if they want it to be longer, let them take. You know, keep asking questions. Let them extend the phone call. Because mm-hmm. I think as adults, what we think is, well, I need to show them, you know, all this love and spend a lot of time with them on the phone because that's going to show them how interested I am. And that's the way that you know we would do it in the, you know, in in our sort of adult professional world is, you know, we devote time to people. We know that's a you know a. Um, that's time out of your schedule. So here you and are, you and I are talking. I'm taking time out of my schedule. You're taking time out of your schedule. And we're having this extended conversation. And that shows each other, okay, we value each other. For a kid, when you're spending a lot of time on the phone and they don't know you or they're not sure that they want to know you or they're not sure why they should want to be interested, they look at it and say, this guy's wasting a lot of my time. This is a, and, and that's why... Um, that's why we have um, times where um, a coach will uh, be um, will be on a phone call, and they'll get put onto speakerphone uh, with a um, with a uh, uh, a prospect. A prospect will put them on on speakerphone, 
And I always ask questions. Coach, when you put someone on speakerphone, why do you do it? Usually because then you can do something else while you're listening. So if you're on a phone call, and I'm just using this as an example, when you're on a phone call and the kid puts you on speakerphone, I take that as a sign that they're getting bored, that they're not really interested. Um, the other thing is that going back to kind of the idea or the um, the the thing that you brought up about about um, just what we talk about and and telling that story is the story doesn't have to be um, you know award winning, uh, perfectly written. Uh, it doesn't have to do and accomplish any of that. What it does have to do is it has to make a point. And so if you can tell your story through examples of how you coach, examples of um, uh, your, um, you know, the way that your team operates, the way that your school uh, you know, is, is better than other schools, but by giving examples, that's the thing that I think attracts athletes to you as opposed to just stating bullet points and facts. And so in telling a story, that doesn't necessarily mean in one email you have to be have a, a beginning, a middle, and a climactic ending, um, because you know life doesn't work like that. But it does mean that you have to kind of lay out that here's why you should think about us this way, or here's what's special about us, and then prove that by an example. Um, that's a great story, and and a bunch of those tied together. If it centers around who you are as a coach, or who your team is, or why your team loves being at a particular school, that's what the prospect is looking for. They're looking for that example. And I'll say one more thing: that when we find kids that uh, that are attracted to a school, um, that usually happened way before a coach contacted them. Or before they reach back out to you in, on initial contact, they'll determine, okay, academically, do, do they have what I want? Um, would I want to go to school in that particular region of the country? They'll usually come in with some information about you. Um, so the fact that they respond is a good sign that they they know something about you, and now they just want more information. And over time, what we advise coaches to do is to focus on the things that they can't get online, that they can't get by getting a brochure from your admissions department, is what? It's how you coach and what you're like to be around as a coach. And then also um, what the uh, what it's like to be an athlete there at the school. And those are the things that if you're looking for kind of what what do you tell within that story, those are the things that that nearly every prospect is going to respond to because that's the stuff that they can't figure out by looking at you online. So I threw a lot out at you. Did, did all that make sense? It all landed, Dan. Okay. Um, so the other piece of the, the question that I emailed you about was how to make that initial contact um, right. and what process to go through when maybe you don't have any contact information for, for that prospect. Um, maybe you just read about them in the paper, saw, right. saw some things online. Um, or even you, if you go to an event, but they don't include any kind of ways to right, contact right. them. Right, You know you want, you want to talk to that, to that prospect. Right. Um, you know, and, and what I've done in the past is sent letters, hundreds of letters, to the high school, hoping they get into that prospect's hands. 
Um, and and when, when you do that, what would you say, and this might be just a, a rough guess, but when you do that, because I think that's a strategy that a lot of coaches use mm-hmm. and have for, for several decades is we want to, we, we know they go to that high school. I'm going to send a letter to the coach and, uh, and, you know, try to reach out that way. So out of a hundred that you might send like that, how many then do you typically hear back from? Oh boy. I'd say five or less. Okay. So, um, I'll say if, on the bright side, that's about average. So you're not doing okay. any worse than other coaches. Um, I think there are better ways to do it. And this is a really great topic that you bring up because I think it gets overlooked a lot. I think um, <clears throat> coach, I mean, there's so many coaches and so many sports now where where prospects are are pushing information or coaches and clubs or tournaments are pushing information that when you find you know an athlete and they don't have any kind of you know contact information ready to go, um, it's hard. And we revert back to kind of what worked back in 1980 or 1990, and and I think I don't think it works like that <clears throat> anymore. So, in in answering that um, that question for you, um, I'll I'll draw on some of my past experience because uh, I in my past I've spent about 10 years as a high school football coach. And uh, as an assistant, as a, as a walk-on assistant that didn't work at the school, but uh, just worked in a varsity program as a coordinator. And so my coaching background really revolves around that high school athletic experience. And uh, I was even doing that for a time when I was working with coaches uh, with tutor collegiate strategies in the past. And I loved seeing how coaches, not just the coach that I worked for, but but also other coaches at other schools, treated mail from from coaches like you're describing. Um, so, for instance, we had you know you always have a, a handful of really good players that could probably play in college. The letters start to come in through the high school. They get delivered to the coach. What I would see happening is the coach would get that letter and set it aside and and when i asked you know you know hey so-and-so got a letter are you going to give it to them um the response i typically got and i found this to be the case with a lot of coaches is no i'm going to save it for the end of the year for the award ceremony and i'm going to give it to them then because it's kind of a reward for all their hard work well the coach didn't understand or realize that they were probably really hurting that athlete um that athlete and their chances to to be seen and, and, and start a conversation with that coach. Because as you know, once an athlete responds, you can take action. If they don't respond, you're going to move on. And so a lot of athletes are being hurt just by this artificial process that's been, that's been set up. The other thing I've heard a lot of from high school coaches is that, and athletic directors is that, you know, they're busy um, they don't have time to, uh, you know, a lot of them don't have time or feel they don't have time to fill out, you know, give me your top five athlete sheet and send it back to us or the card that you send a prospect or to a coach that might say, who are your good athletes that we should look at? Um, and so I think the bottleneck is occurring with the high school coaches. What, um, what I would suggest doing, if you're going to reach out to a high school athlete is to not use the athletic director not use the coach, but if possible, if the school has one, I would try to contact the athletic secretary. 
Why is that? Because the athletic secretary at most high schools is loved by everybody. She loves all the kids. Um, there is a, uh, she's motivated to help them because no one's ever reached out to her from a college before. But if you went, so if I was a coach and I was at a school that had to reach out to high school athletes, I know I would use this strategy. I would find, I would call the athletic department, ask to speak to the athletic secretary if they had one. And if they did, my, my short sort of pitch to her would be, Hey, this is coach Tudor from so-and-so college. Um, I saw, you know, the name of that prospect at an event this past weekend. Um, but I didn't have the chance to get any of her or his information. Uh, and so I wanted to reach out to you. Is there an email or, or, uh, or even if I had to mail something to you where I could send it to you and you could get that to them so that they could contact us because, you know, we're going to be talking about a scholarship or a roster opportunity or time, uh, you know, a chance to talk about what we can give them at our school could i go could you help me with that and 99 times out of 100 the answer is going to be an enthusiastic yes and you know, whereas with the high school coach it um you know it's not the case and they you know they're busy and they've got practice and it just it it's a lower priority um and some high school coaches we know in certain sports take the attitude that hey if you know if you want the athlete you'll come here to the school and you'll talk to us again not understanding that coaches don't spend all their time at the college level flying around the country talking to prospects so i would actually go through the athletic secretary to get a response rate and i think when you do that out of a hundred i bet you got 60 plus uh, that would respond positively or favorably to that. Now, it takes more time because you have to put in that call, but the results are going to be really, really good. At least that's the what history has shown us. So from that approach, just just thinking about that, does that sound like something that would work a little bit better? Or do, are there follow-up questions that you'd have from that? Yeah, um, it certainly seems like it would work a lot better than than what I've been doing, which is the whole reason I reached out to you in the first place, it just right. was putting all that, I mean, it really doesn't even sound like that much work in the first place, because when you send 500 letters out, you know, every every summer or whenever you're sending that mailing out to, you know, right, 100 different schools and, and doing all this stuff, um, reaching out and, and trying to, in, uh, and, and that's what I've always worried about with sending the high school letters is, um, you know, everybody else is doing it. So even if I have the perfect um, tutor recruiting solutions letter <laughs> inside that envelope. Um, they still have to be able to get it. Yeah, yeah, it has to get into that prospect's hands and it's probably in their hands with three other ones. Are they even going to open it and give it more than a... Um, and, and that, yeah, give it, you know, two seconds of their time. Mm -hmm. So th this philosophy also goes back over to the club side as well, because there are coaches that, that deal with club sports. And, you know, a lot of times what we find there is that if you aren't the premier division one school uh, that they could get excited about putting on the website that one of their kids signed at that school, let's say you're at a second or third tier school or a division three or an NAIA where it's not going to be as exciting because you're not offering a full scholarship necessarily, um, we find that the same bottleneck occurs. And so the, I think the phone call works great with them too. 
what I would do with the club coach is add one extra step of of asking them to if you can have permission to recruit their athletes. So we're hey, we saw so and so at this event or at this meet and um, really was impressed. I know he or she's going to have a lot of options, but I just wanted to call ahead of time and let you know we're interested. We'd like to start the recruiting process. Would that be okay? And would would we be able to you know go through you to um, help help foster that communication and ask permission? Because the one thing we hear from club coaches a lot of the time is that they get upset at college coaches who just kind of swoop in, start recruiting an athlete don't really interact with them as a club director or as a club coach, and then they leave afterwards. And I think there is the a very subtle um, but distinct desire on the part of those club coaches to be recognized that they're good coaches, that in a sense they're your peer, and they want to be treated like a peer. And, and so if you can go in, ask their permission, let them know that you want them as a part of the process, in that phone call, that does a world of good to kind of separate you from from other schools and other coaches who are just sailing, sending the letter or asking that coach to provide information without anything in return or any kind of personal relationship. So that's that's kind of how I would approach it with uh, with club coaches. So, um, would you you know my sport, Dan? We're we're pretty much recruiting only student athletes that are involved in, in the club sport. Um, would you recommend going through the club coach over the athletic secretary um, or trying both or kind of the, the AB approach? I, yeah, I think it's going to be different for every athlete. And this is where, um, this is where the, just knowing this is where it becomes an imperfect, uh, an imperfect science uh, that uh, there's going to be some athletes and the strategy of going through the, the, the school secretary is going to be great and it's going to get immediate results. And then other times, let's say the school doesn't have a secretary, you have to go straight to the athletic director and you leave a, um, you know, a message for him. I would, frankly, in my experience, uh, I would, and, and just knowing kind of what athletic directors at the high school and college level are up against with their time commitments, I would go through anybody but them to get an athlete's attention um, initially. Now, I'm not saying you don't include them after that, but I would say that you're um, you're going to want to reach out separately uh, at the school. So if that's not the athletic secretary, that might be their school counselor. That could be um, the main secretary at the school, because really, and you identified it, Coach, your goal is to get that, that great message that you've written in the hands of that athlete. That is the priority. It's not to make the coach happy. It's not to um, get to talk to the athletic director. It's not about efficiency. The whole goal centers around, I need the chance to talk to that kid. And so any way that we can get to them that maybe they aren't used to normally um, going through, which is again, like the school secretary, athletic secretary, that tends to stand out, uh, and, and make a decision and, and I'm sorry, and get them to make the decision to, um, to have a conversation with you, but there is no perfect science to it. So, um, you know, I would try your, your, your AB testing, uh, philosophy. Absolutely. Um, it's really just, it's whatever you can get to work. Okay. Uh, and you said use use the athletic director 
as kind of a last resort. Um, I really like the the approach you had with the the club coach. If the if the club coach and the the high school coach are are different people, right? Um, probably take. I would probably try the same same approach with the club coach uh, with the high school coach. Sure, and, sure. And, 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 yeah, no, I, it just, I think it just depends on the way the club is set up and how many people you have to go through. And there's big clubs in different sports where you have, you know, you, you could have a designated recruiting coordinator and you can find their name on, on their club website. And then there's other smaller, smaller clubs where it's just one coach. And so I, in terms of how to find the contact, there's going to be no perfect way to do that. Once you have a contact and understand their position, uh, then I think that's that's a uh, that's the important step in that initial process. Okay. Um, so uh, I've got so many things in my head here. I'm trying to decide where to go. <laughs> you can go uh, anywhere you want. Go all right. Anywhere you want. <laughs> all right. Um, so let's let's talk about what. Let's just stay on this track. So we're. We're creating a letter. We've we've talked to the coach or the athletic secretary, and we've we've got a, a good feeling that this letter is going to actually get in front of the prospect. Um, and it happens that this is a great team, and they've got three prospects that I want, and, and you know three different positions. Um, is it okay to? that initial contact letter, is it okay to give the information, you know, tell them what you like about them, and then in the second half when you're asking, um, you know, ask them to do something because I need, to, I need this, right. um, is that okay to be the same, even though those teammates are going to be having a very similar letter and, and that yeah. really oh, screams and informality? Sure. And so... I think one of the, the big misconceptions among college coaches is that these high school athletes, whether it's in a club or a high school team, are getting together and comparing notes and, and talking about you know, what exactly a coach said to them. And frankly, it just doesn't happen. And I mean, if it did, we, I, we would probably be writing articles on it and how to, how to uh, get around it, but we just don't find that they compare notes a lot. In fact, I think what happens a lot of the time is they become very secretive and that family sort of holds everything very close to the vest because you know what these two other kids on your club team they're your friends but you know I don't know how many other you know how many scholarships this college team has to give or how many roster spots they're looking at and I want it to be you and so you know we need to be doing things competitively that are different than these other parents and so I, I see them holding a lot of information back so I don't think you should be too concerned with sending a letter that looks or sounds or is exactly the same as the other one that you sent one of their teammates. Because in the, in the rare chance where that has happened in my 15 years of doing this so far, and we've had a coach that said, hey, you know what, we, here's this question, or I meant, by the way, I've got a prospect that mentioned they got the same letter as so-and-so. Um, in the same breath, that coach, that college coach who's reporting back to us says, but you know what, they said it wasn't that big of a deal. They know that coaches, you know, have to recruit a lot of kids, and so they just move past it. Um, so I wouldn't take away that aspect of your efficiency, uh, and 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 have to have every single letter be unique because that would just be impossible. Um, 
and the off chance that an athlete does see what one of their for, one of their teammates gets from you, and it's the same, we don't see them saying, "Well, then I'm not going to that university, or I'm going to stop talking to that coach." Um, I just we just don't see it happening. So I don't. Uh, I I understand why a coach would ask that question or be concerned about that, but it happens so rarely. I mean, it'd be shocking to me if it happened once every five or six years for you. And when it does happen, what you're going to find is that it's no big deal for them. So, so I would, I, I think you can put that fear aside. I don't think that's going to be realistic. Perfect. That, <laughs> actually a great answer because that means less work for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, here's what I would do is I would focus on creating and writing a great story. Mm -hmm. Since you have more time, uh, you've saved all this time on efficiency. I would just make sure that, what you're telling them and what you decide to write about is a is a great compelling story. That doesn't mean longer and more complicated. It just means figure out what is different and how can we set ourselves apart with this individual email, text message, phone call, letter that you're going to write. Um, use your time that way. Right, right, right. Um, so Dan. Now I've, I've got the letter into their hands. We feel good about everything. In your last email blast, you talked about to increase your response rate. Give them the one-two punch. Give them the follow-up. Um, and, and, and Coach, let me just jump in real quick because you sure. mentioned that, the, the emails. Um, for somebody who's listening to the podcast that doesn't get our Tuesday email, you can sign up for that. Uh, at dantutor.com in the upper right-hand corner, there's we send out a, I think it's a pretty information-packed um, newsletter via email every Tuesday we have for the last 15 years. So if you're not getting that, that's what this coach is referring to, and you can get the same thing. It's free. Um, so I just wanted to make that point in case someone's listening and they're trying to figure out, wait a minute, what, what is this email blast that Dan's sending out? So anyway, go ahead. Continue, Coach. Uh, yeah, you, you talked about giving the one-two punch, follow up with them, um, you know, maybe send a letter and then a follow-up email um, every six right. to nine days or, you know, right. shortly afterward. So if we haven't heard back, you know, we asked in that, in that letter, shoot me a text, let me know that, mm -hmm. that you got this letter. Um, if we haven't heard back, do we follow up with another letter through the, the club coach, the athletic secretary, do we ask them to forward an email? Um, yeah. I, where I do mean, we go there? Sure, sure. And, you know, first I'll say this, Coach, that if you're not, let, let's say you're not in the top 5% dream school category, uh, you, you're not a BCS conference school, um, you're not coming off of a national championship, there's not, you're not at some amazing campus that they've heard about all their lives. Let's just say your school doesn't fit into one of those categories if you're the coach that's listening to this podcast. You're in the other 95%. Um, and so you may be coming at an athlete where from a different region of the country or that they've never heard of before. I think it is perfectly normal for you not to hear back from the athlete right away if you're at one of those schools. And... That I want you as a coach and any coach listening to this being okay with that and and not taking that athlete off your list. So here's the way that I describe it uh, is let's just say you're a swim coach, you're a, in a swim program, 
and you have an event that is um, you know eight laps uh, in the pool um, up and back four times so it's gonna be a longer a longer race um, you aren't as a swimmer if you're in fourth place or fifth place and you're you know uh, a length behind somebody in that race you know after after the first couple of uh, laps you're not looking around saying well shoot I'm behind there's no way I can win this forget it no of course not you're, you're not going to do that what you're doing what a lot of swimmers do is they're positioning themselves for the end of that race uh, your basketball coach your soccer coach um, you know and the game is playing out and as it's playing out you're thinking that I've got to be in a position to do this this and this right at the end because that's where you win so in recruiting, and here's why I bring this, this example, in recruiting and what you're talking about, we're at the very beginning of these stages. I would fully expect if I coached at one of those schools in that 95% that weren't, that weren't this amazing dream school that I've, that I've been working hard at, um, and I'm, I may even take the approach that there's no way I'd go to that school. I'm not, I don't want to go to the school in that part of the country. Or I don't think I do. Um, I just have no context for understanding what that school is all about. If I coached at one of those schools, I would I would prepare myself for not hearing from that athlete for five, six, nine months, the first nine months. So if I start recruiting them, for instance, as a junior, and I, I can start um, you know, sending a lot of information to them and, and communicating with them at least semi-regularly, I know that you know I'm probably not going to hear, especially the better the athlete is, I'm not going to hear from them for the first several months. What I would encourage you to do, if you're listening to this podcast, and certainly coaches, you're asking the question, I don't want you to give up. Most coaches are. They're going to take them off an email list. They're going to stop sending them stuff. Um, I don't want you to do that because we find there's, there's two truths to this. That number one, that athlete might have some lofty ideas about how good he or she actually is. So they have a club coach and their parents and a high school coach telling them, you're the best the school's ever seen. Boy, I think you could play D1. The club coach is saying the same thing. Of course, mom and dad, they're proud, and they're saying the same thing. And they'll start looking at those BCS caliber schools, that top 5%. That's my dream school. My And my dad and my coach say I can play there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play there. And then you, in the 95%, send out your, your information. And I think a lot of the times, initially, early on, it gets treated as, I'm, I'm so much better than this. I've never even heard of this school so I don't, I'm not going to respond because why would I lower myself to play for that school? And then that six, seven, eight, nine months goes by. And what happens is that the athlete starts to have reality checks. And some of the D1s that may have shown a little bit of interest at the start aren't, contact, aren't contacting them anymore. And the, um, you know, and, and, just their options become more limited. And that's when, for the school that is, you know, that follows the advice I just gave, is to stay in contact, be consistent. When everything else has dropped off and they still want to play their sport in college, who do they call? Who do they get back in touch with? It's usually the coach that's kept in touch with them. And the converse, I'll even tell you, the conversation usually starts off with, hey, coach, uh, this is so-and-so, and I've... Uh, Really sorry, I haven't gotten back to you before now, but I was, you know, I'll say I was busy or I was playing my sport or this was really packed or I didn't know where I was going to go to school, but I'm interested. You still have a spot for me. Uh, I want to talk to you about that. That's the reaction you get. And what I, what I just want you as a, as a college coach to understand is 
If you stick around a long time, if you remain consistent, it pays off. So I think you go in with the expectation that that you're not going to hear from them. In fact, I've had coaches that have taken that and they actually, you know, will, you know, as a part of their story, once in a while they'll send kids who haven't heard from, uh, you know, heard from them or heard back, they haven't heard back from those athletes. They'll write a whole letter or an email saying, hey, look, you know, I know you think you're probably not interested, but, and then they'll, you know, go on with their story, um, acknowledging the fact that, hey, we get it. You know, you think you've got other options. So just being comfortable with that whole idea that it's gonna it's gonna take a long time for most athletes, especially the earlier that you start recruiting them, that's the attitude that I want you to take into into that conversation. And and so just I, I don't want you to give up, coach. I guess that's what I'm saying. Right. <clears throat> that that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it follows everything that you've been saying. Be consistent. Um, they'll come around or or they won't. But yeah. Well, and, and to the extent that you have them coach on your email list, does it, you know, does it really save you anything by taking them off of your email list? No, it's, it doesn't. Um, and so I just, I just want to make sure that any coach understands that most kids aren't going to fall in love with you right away. Um, and that is, that's okay. You, you just need to be patient while they sort of come to the understanding of why they should be interested um, and that, because I think that's helped way more coaches than it's hurt that taking that philosophy. So, um, I would want you to take that philosophy. So now, uh, it's perfect that you brought up the email list cause I'm going to bring up, bring up that, that initial scenario where I don't have any contact information, right? Sent the letter to the high school or sent it through the club coach. Um, you know, it, it, I, didn't hear from them. I still don't have any contact information. Do I continue to be consistent through, uh, you know, a, a written or printed letter to the high school every? Well, I think so. We go back to that bottleneck mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, idea that at some point it's getting bottled up and it's not getting to the athlete. So if it's if we know it's getting to the athlete, whether you have their home address. Um, whether you um, got it from a coach and the athlete isn't responding yet, I would stay at it. If it's a bottleneck issue and you've contacted you know, the high school, the club, you've searched online, you can't get any information, and the people you are trying to contact aren't returning your calls um, or you know, emails or however you're reaching out, then I think it does become sort of a, um, a question of then how much time am I willing to to dedicate to finding this athlete and that you know, listen that that's where I, I leave it to the coach I can't make that decision for a coach because you know you know what that athlete would mean for your program um, as to how you know doggedly you want to pursue them um, if it's if we know that the issue is you know if that bottleneck um, then you know if it's not a top athlete I might make the case to say let's go find somebody else that are similar similar stats, similar times, whatever the, the sport that you coach, and replace that person with that new prospect. Um, because there's only so much you can do as a coach, and you have limited time, and you have other responsibilities within your job. And so that's, I think that's just the, um, the way that, that I think you would, you would want to approach that, is looking at it realistically and, and figuring out how much time and attention does this athlete deserve compared to the rest of my list? 
Perfect. Um, that all makes sense. Keep everything consistent. Keep hitting them. Um, and uh, yeah, just just keep at it. Keep telling your story, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And and I'll, I'll add in one thing to sort of maybe close the loop on this in terms of an understanding is when you know you're as a coach we've been talking about initial contacts and different ways to to uh, kind of move through the process uh, and and make sure that that you're getting as many initial contacts as possible there's also the idea that um, while i want you to continue selling increasingly as a coach moves through that process your job is to not just sell but it's also to evaluate how are they making their decisions and are they leaning towards us or leaning against us so for instance you you know if you're a coach uh in uh, the great lakes region and you're recruiting a kid in texas that you saw at a tournament and let's say that kid has has responded and 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 everything i would as as that coach uh in the great lakes region the first thing i would want to ask and this is kind of goes to the start of measuring how they're making their decision is, Hey, we really excited. You're, you're looking at us. Uh, loved seeing what you did at that last tournament. We, we saw you at, I'm curious though, what, what has you excited about the idea of coming and competing for us, you know, a school in this, in the great lakes region, you know, because it's far away from home in Texas. So why does that seem like a good decision? Well, there's two or three possible answers that we hear from athletes which is, um, hey coach, I just want to go where I'm wanted and um, you know, I have to get some help for college uh, financially and so I'm just, I'm looking at every opportunity. Okay, check, that's good. Um, if they say something like, oh, you know what, um, we got fishing up there uh, a lot of times and my family has done vacations up there. My grandparents live in Green Bay um, so we, you know, just, I really like that area of the country and I, I love, you know, um, you know, I love the snow too. We don't get that in Texas. Okay. Check. That's an athlete who I think we're on the right track with because they've given me reasons. If you hear an athlete say, oh, I don't know, coach. I mean, just, I'm, I'm sort of looking around and, and, uh, just seeing what my options are, but, uh, I don't really know a lot about the area that for me would be a red flag because, they're coming in and they're simply responding for the sake of a a response, um, you know. And so they've probably been told by their parent, or they may even have the philosophy is I'm just going to talk to every coach that that wants me, which again is fine. Doesn't mean that you can't get that athlete. What it does mean is that you have work to do, and so if they can't define, you know, why they want to go that far away from home. Um, why that division level seems good for them, um, the major at your school, what, you know, is that the thing driving them? Let's say they're at a very unique school. Let's say it's a faith-based school. So why would you want a Christian or a Catholic education um, at our campus? Uh, why does that seem like a good thing to you? I want you to sort of do some digging and get inside their head and let them know how what category they're putting you in. Because again, in that initial response, if I know that they're just sort of looking and they don't really know why they'd want to come to a school in the Great Lakes region. I've got work to do and I know how to tell my story better. Um, same thing for a faith-based school or particular majors at a school. All these things give me the idea of what I need to do to talk to that specific athlete about. 
um, or their parents about. And so I, that's, that's why I say your job at a certain point, and I think this starts as a part of the initial context, is to figure out where's their head out, head at, and where should um, kind of where should I be thinking as a coach of how I want to how I want to get them interested, or how do I justify why they should be more interested in our in our school? And that's just one thing that um, that um, we we see happening a lot that uh, I wanted to. Just wanted to throw out there is another thing that you kind of should be doing at the start of um, at the start of the the initial contact process. Right. Um, yeah, because you know that initial contact, like we we talked about before, is it's just about getting getting the response, getting them right. getting on their radar, and and getting any additional contact information you can and then and then that's that's where you just that's where the process starts that's when you start recruiting right. um, so coach I mean it's so uh, what I would want to ask you sort of to close to close out the conversation is what just from our conversation and listening to the, some of the prior podcasts that you mentioned what are like the top three or four things that you would say for your particular program, you're going to put a priority on in terms of uh, changing. Um, what, what what's on your to-do list now at this point? Uh, great question, Dan. The the big one and the whole reason I reached out to you was we just need to be finding more high-level student athletes to to be interested in our program. Um, so that's that's the first thing that I'll be doing is is um, identifying those those prospects and putting together that initial contact and um, start getting those letters out. Uh, probably the number two thing that I'm going to be doing is start probably just scheduling time every week, uh, an hour or two, and to just be calling club coaches and athletic secretaries and just trying to really increase increase my own personal network um, and, and, and by the way and let's jump in real quick before you mm -hmm. continue with your list that a lot of coaches think well that's i don't have time for that you know what that is probably 15 to 20 minutes a day if you called five prospects during a working week um you know whether that's a again an athletic director high school coach club coach increasing your network or just asking about a particular athlete if you did that for uh, you know, for gosh, just every, you know, once a week, 15, I'm sorry, once a day for 15, 20 minutes a day. And every coach has 15, 20 minutes a day over, over the course of, um, a year. I mean, it would be an incredible number of prospects that, uh, that, that you would end up getting, uh, into into that uh, into that that network. So I just so if if you took five of those prospects and you did that for you know, again maybe five calls a day, it's gonna be fifteen or twenty minutes over the course of a year, not even including weekends, you would have reached out to one thousand three hundred twenty different coaches or athletic directors. I've got to think that your recruiting improves if you do that. That's a 15 or 20 minute commitment, just five a day, 
and that's the result. So, uh, I mean, 1,300 new contacts in your network, um, that, that's, that's program changing. So I just, I just wanted to make sure that coaches understood this is not impossible. These are short calls, um, very focused, and you get them done, but you do them every day, and the results will pay off. So I just want to throw that in, Coach. Sorry. No, it's perfect. It's it's uh, you know something that I've been thinking about for a while, and um, you know, listening to you speak about how to get in touch with those prospects, um, it's just it really cements it for me that this is something that that needs to get done. Right. Um, right. And you know, and every time, um, every time you call to ask about this prospect and ask permission which i think is amazing i think coaches are going to love that being a former club coach myself um every time you do that it gets a little bit easier and now all of a sudden they're calling you um because you need to look at at this this you know this sophomore coming up um so you had gone through those those t those first two things on your list. What and I interrupted you. So yep, what, yep. Uh, what what what's the remaining? Um, I would say, boy, I don't know. I, kinda, <laughs> I, I may put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm yeah. Start with two. That's yeah. fine. I mean, uh, and, and for a coach that's listening, um, you know, any little change that you start making is going to probably drive the other changes. So, you know, so. It doesn't have to be a list of five things. It could just start with one thing. It take take one piece that that this coach that we're talking to is going to start doing differently, or anything that you heard that you said, okay, I'm I might try that. You know, anything that you do uh, on the initial contact side is going to uh, is going to make a good change, and that's what this is all about. Is just when you approach your contacts initially, you're opening the floodgates and. And I just want them open as wide as, as wide as possible. All right, Coach, thanks for listening in to that conversation. Hopefully you got some tips and got some of your questions answered at the same time. Like I said, if you want to ask me questions, if, if there is something that would apply specifically to your program, then feel free to contact me by email, dan at dantutor, or through Twitter at dantutor and would love to, to connect with you. You don't have to necessarily be on the podcast, although if it's a good question, I might ask uh, if you would want to be. But uh, he was willing, and so we really appreciate uh, that coach's questions and, again, his willingness to sort of open up in front of his fellow coaches. That's going to do it for today, though. We appreciate you listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. If you have ideas for topics or things that you want to talk about, we would love to hear from you. So just contact me. And most of all, use these ideas, use the techniques to become better recruiters, which makes you better at your job and makes it more fun to coach. So get out there, have a great week, and we'll talk to you again here on another edition soon of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Let's drink a toast 
as each of us recalls ivy-covered professors in ivy-covered halls turn on the spigot pour the beer and swig it and gaudiamo sigit a tour here's two parties we tossed to the games that we lost we shall claim that we won them someday to the girls young and sweet to the spacious back seat of our roommates beat up chevrolet to the beer and benzedrine to the way that the dean tried so hard to be pals with us all to excuses we fibbed to the papers we cribbed from the genius who lived down the hall to the tables down at maury's wherever that may be let us drink a toast to all we love the best we will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest oh soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life Ooh. but as we go our sordid separate ways we shall ne'er forget thee thou golden college days hearts full of youth hearts full of truth six parts gin to one part vermouth <laughs>